This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Luke Levitz Meble. And I'm Yannick Maya. And what's our topic for this week, Yannick? Self-care. Wow. I think we'll have a strong topic for this week. Yes, we will. But first, I have some follow-up. Uh, Let's go with that first. It's actually follow-up for follow-up from the last episode, which was uh, about... <laughs> follow-up the, of follow-up. Yes, of our favorite kind, uh, which is multi-room audio clarification for... I'm going to press the mute button before she reacts, the Alexa app. Um, so uh, on the previous episode, we had mentioned that there was a mystery everywhere group that had showed up for my friend David, and then we weren't sure if it was actually new or if it was added by the app update. Um, I still don't have an answer to that question. However, one of the big complaints that I had about multi-room audio, which is that speakers can only be in one group, has been resolved. So now you can put speakers in multiple groups, uh, which fixes that issue. If you have multiple speakers in your kitchen and you want to create a kitchen group, that doesn't prevent them from being in the everywhere group as well, which was the case before the app update. So in that case, yes, there was an actual improvement in the app update aside from changing the paint a little bit. So that was the clarification that I wanted to make uh, in follow-up today. I wonder if uh, that uh, everywhere group might be something that was uh, either created by default or something that got leaked by just somebody creating this everywhere group and also having different groups. It could be. Uh, I mean, the fact that nobody noticed that the feature had actually changed because like, I think... Amazon, well, not really just Amazon, but a lot of app developers that are big companies do a shitty job with their release notes and don't actually detail what changes in their updates, even when they're major updates, which is kind of a pain in the ass. So you sort of have to randomly discover the new features. And when you've grown used to not being able to put speakers in multiple groups, you're not really going to find out until you try to do it again and you were already trained to not do it. Uh, but yeah, I think I heard about it on Reconcilable Differences uh, last week uh, that they mentioned this feature being a thing, and I was very happy to find that out. Okay, uh, so we previously used to have like somewhat regular personal update episodes for me when I was self-employed because there was stuff going on that I could talk about, and unfortunately my current... Uh, employment situation makes it that it is very hard for me to comment about anything because a lot of the projects that we deal with are things I cannot comment on publicly, unfortunately. Uh, so there hasn't been a bunch to say for a while. And this is why it's taken more than a year to actually get to uh, a new personal update episode, which is this episode. Um, I want to talk a little bit about my summer. Uh, this summer has been incredibly hectic for a number of reasons. Uh, notably that I moved across town to a new apartment. Uh, shortly after moving in, there was a trip to Japan almost immediately, uh, which mean, meant I had like very little time to get set up in the apartment. And then I was already gone to Japan for three weeks. And then I had to come back and deal with a super complicated web work project that had been dragging on for many more months than it probably ought to. Uh, so it was a mess. And on top of that, I've mentioned previously on the show that my work days are an hour longer due to summer schedule at my job. And this I find to be somewhat of a problem for me. Uh, I have a very hard time regulating how focused I am and how hard I work when I'm at work. Uh, my employers tend to be like very surprised at how consistently productive and focused I am at work. But in reality, like what, what's happening when I'm working is that I'm spending all day at 100% power consumption in air quotes. Uh, and then as soon as it's time to go home, I'm completely drained mentally until the very next day. And the problem is, if you add on an extra hour to the day, it becomes very complicated because 
if I stay at that 100% power consumption all day long, I completely crash for the last hour because I have no energy left and have basically zero productivity for that extra hour. Uh, and I feel bad about that. And then if I try to burn less energy on average per hour when focusing on work, I feel bad because then I'm being less productive per hour than I usually am. So basically, no matter what I do, I fail and I hate it and I feel terrible. Uh, and then on top of that, there's just like the world being a shitty place to be, uh, especially since the 2016 election. Many of my friends have had mental breakdowns multiple times throughout the last two years, and there's not much of a glimmer in sight for the near future for many of these people. And like I spent the entire first year of the Trump presidency expecting that one morning I would be dead because he made a stupid tweet. And let's just say that people who are susceptible to depressive and anxious episodes are not having a great four years right now. Uh, and the combination of all of these factors felt very overwhelming. And I needed to do something, especially after the summer, to avoid constantly feeling like I'm on the brink of a breakdown. And this episode is going to be like a list of lifestyle changes that I've gone through over the past few months to try and be more mentally healthy. I just want to clarify before we get into it that this isn't a miraculous solution I'm pushing at all. Uh, of course, even after all of these steps, some days can be incredibly big struggles, but it has helped in some way for me. And if anyone else can derive some sort of benefit from my experimentation with my lifestyle changes, that's awesome. How does that sound? Sounds good. Is the, f was the first, uh, uh, I guess tip or uh, change that you did in your lifestyle was to eat more poutine. <laughs> no, but there is a lot of that, as you can probably tell from my Twitter timeline. But <laughs> we'll get to the that's, food later. That's why I was asking. By the way, just a by the way, I had a poutine at lunch today because on my boss won't be there tomorrow. So he said, if you want to go out for lunch, we're going today, and so I had a poutine at lunch. Oh, yep. Um, but instead of talking about food diet, let's talk about information diet first. Uh, so information diet referring in general to news, uh, news is an incredibly, uh, it feels like you're constantly being smothered by news, uh, in the society these days. And, uh, there are lots of opinions about news as well. Uh, and I'm going to give you mine. Uh, and the first is that you should reduce the amount of news you consume. Now, before everybody beats me on the head, uh, I do want to say that I'm not saying to cut out the news entirely. Uh, I feel like we need to maintain a certain responsibility to stay informed about what's going on in the world and not shut ourselves off from problems in the world entirely. Uh, but you need to use your judgment to decide what stories are actually worth your time and what stories are filler designed to suck away your attention. And this is really, really hard because more and more surfaces out there in the world are covered with screens that have a news sticker on them that are trying to get you to care about random shit that isn't important. Uh, and if we treat all of news as being important, the abundance of seemingly important stories devalues the stories that are actually important. And I think that's very dangerous. And it, it's sort of like when we were in college, uh, a friend of ours went through my Facebook profile and liked every single page. And I tried explaining <laughs> to him that if he likes every single thing I post to Facebook, the value of a like is effectively worthless because there's nothing that says, oh, this is good enough to get his like. It's just everything is at the baseline to get a like, and therefore nothing has value, right? Same deal with news. News is everywhere. Try to have some sort of judgment of what's important and what's not. My second point for the information diet is to not rely on social media for anything news-related. 
I think it is a horrible idea to follow news outlets on social media. Uh, in general, when I hear people who talk about how miserable Twitter is in 2018, I don't understand. They must be following news sources on Twitter or something. Because if you just follow your interests and hobbies on Twitter, it becomes much like people say Instagram is, where you only see joyful stuff from your hobbies and interests. And like, yes, tangentially, you will see news because people are going to retweet things every once in a while. But try not to explicitly seek out news on social media. And the reason for this is reliability for the big part. Don't trust any news reported on social media unless it can be confirmed by another reliable source. Too many times I have seen high-profile political tweeters retweet a message from a, quote, journalist that wasn't verified, had about 30 followers, that worked for a newspaper with maybe 15 followers. Doesn't sound legit at all. And people like to act like, Oh, I'm on the left. I'm on the morally correct side of an argument. So I'm not going to fall to dumb tricks like fake stories. But humans are fucking stupid monkeys who want to see things that they agree with. And they want to see things they agree with more than they actually want to do the research to figure out if the thing they agree with is true or not. Uh, and unfortunately, like citizen journalism sounded like a really good idea like 10 years ago. But then when nefarious people realized that it could be game to pit everyone against each other, its trustworthiness went completely down the drain. So don't rely on social media for anything news related. People wonder why I'm skeptical about anything posted about social me on social media with regards to news that is of like political news. Like I don't care so much for tech news and stuff like that because generally like I know that industry. I know what's bullshit and what's not. Um, but for political news, you have to be extremely careful that you're not being played by people who are either just trolling or are actually trying to get shit started. Um, my next tip is get your news from reputable sources whose biases you can parse. Uh, this is somewhat controversial, and I don't even understand why it is, but eh, I guess deal with it. Uh, I tend to prioritize sources with as little editorializing as possible that present facts so I can make up my own opinion. And if you can't find an outlet that is primarily like straight up facts and not so much editorializing, uh, get familiar enough with what their biases are to distinguish what is fact and what is spin. I'm going to give two examples real quick. Uh, unfortunately, these are going to be a great use to people outside of Canada and Quebec. Uh, so Le Devoir, for example, is a French newspaper with an institutional voice that is very separatist. And anyone who knows me will know that it, I disagree completely with that point of view. Um, but their journalism is generally very good. And because I know what their bias is, I can correct for it when I'm reading their stories. And I think that generally, I enjoy their reporting more than any other newspaper, even though I disagree with a lot of their opinions. And like, I'm going to say this because it, it, it needs repeating. Like, there's a big difference between Le Devoir's spin, separatist spin, and Fox News's uh, right wing spin, in that one is completely delusional and the other one is just a point of view that I disagree with, but is presented in a reasonable manner. And you should definitely seek out like those different opinions that are presented in a reasonable manner. Now, certainly in certain countries, it will be harder to find those kinds of outlets, which is kind of a problem. Another example is CBC, the Canadian broadcasting company, uh, tends to treat left-leaning parties much more favorably than right-leaning ones, mainly because they are a state-owned channel and they would be at a greater risk of being defunded by right-wing parties who just want to shrink government, right? Uh, and once again, like I, I really enjoy their reporting as well, so I 
tend to gravitate towards CBC. Like there's TVA, which is the big French TV channel here in Quebec that I absolutely despise. And one of the greatest things about not living with my parents anymore is that I don't have to see that t- television channel ever again. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. That news broadcast, it's like it was designed to make people complain about it. Like, I think that's the only reason it was on in the house because like there was no actual value being derived from watching the news other than tearing it apart every night. Uh, so yeah, get your news from reputable sources whose biases you can parse. And the, the last tip that I'm going to have, and this one came up on ATP recently, and I hadn't thought to mention it, uh, but it is absolutely true, is prioritize non-television media. Uh, generally, what I try to do to consume news is uh, CBC has their radio broadcasts for their hourly uh, radio newscasts available as daily briefings on the Amazon Echo. So I just have it programmed and I ask the Echo to play my daily briefing and I can listen to a 10-minute summary of what the presumably most important stories in Canada are. And I find like they are much more reasonable in what they are trying to do via radio than in television where they are trying to sensationalize things in the name of ratings. I'm not interested in what your sensational story is. I just want to know like what are the three most important stories that I should know about today. And in that respect, I find that radio newscasts tend to do the job much greater. Uh, If you're in the United States, uh, there are two podcasts that are really good, The Daily by The New York Times and I forget the one by uh, NPR, uh, Up First by NPR, uh, are both uh, morning news shows that are roughly 10 to 15 minutes in length that you can listen to in the morning. Uh, unfortunately, most of the time it doesn't line up with my personal schedule, which is why I stopped listening to them. I'm not much of an evening news person, um, but those are some ideas you can seek out. Do you have anything to add on information diet? You are making a good point about um, maybe reducing the amount of uh, news that you follow. And I did the complete inverse recently. And I've noticed, me, by the way. Let me explain to you why. I felt, especially because I was following a lot of people for uh, from my kind of what I wanted to hear by, and which on Twitter is mainly iOS and Mac programming, of... Of course, a lot of those people are from the U.S. and it tended to start being more focused on U.S. politics for obvious reasons. And I think you made the clear argument that it can be quite depressing. So I started to focus on, you know what, if that were to happen to my own like city, for example, or my own province, how would I know if I'm not following what's happening here first? And that's kind of why I start to uh, follow more of the uh, local, quote-unquote local. And I think you mentioned, like, I I follow the uh, uh, friendship equivalent of the CBC, uh, SRC, so Radio Canada. And also no, 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 it's called ICI Radio Canada now. I know because every time I type SRC.ca into the thing, it turns into ICI.RadioCanada.ca, which pisses me off because it's so fucking I long. I still call it SRC. But I do okay. too. Uh, and also start to, uh, follow La Presse on Twitter too. Uh, just to get a different opinion. Because like you were saying, um, the state, uh, news channel and uh, news press uh, is a bit left leaning and that's okay, right? Uh, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's also good sometimes to have a different opinion and different views on the current news, like cycle. Let's put it this way. So yeah. 
do I regret it? I would say no. Uh, does the noise of the Quebec stuff get mixed with the US stuff? Yes. Was that what I was expecting? Kinda, to be honest. Uh, and I tend to, I tend to then scroll a lot of stuff that I see that is not tech on Twitter, that is just like political argument. And it's like, you know what? I kind of read it was about, I guess, Trump or stuff like that. But you know what? I don't care. Let's go to the maybe the Quebec news that I should maybe be aware of that is more important to make sure that hopefully uh, this doesn't happen closest some this doesn't happen or I'm better prepared if this happens here in Quebec or in Canada, which it could, right? Well, I mean, like um, we, I, let's not talk about Quebec politics, but we could argue it kind of is happening. <laughs> true which yes we uh we but that's let's a, not a get podcast, into that. but yes at, le- at least if it happens here i want to be aware and be prepared so when i need to do an action and that's kind of the point i was getting at is if it does happen and i need to be uh, i'm about to use a to yeah if i need to do an action that could as a citizen i shouldn't do I need to be aware and not be stuck in other people's politics. I want to be stuck in mine a bit. Yeah, uh, that did remind me of one thing. Uh, one thing that is critically missing right now from my information diet is any kind of hyper-regional news, which is, like, the other day there was a gas leak a couple blocks away from my apartment, and I had no fucking clue until my mom asked me, are you okay? Is the gas leak okay? And I was like, what What are you talking about? Uh, so... Hyperlocal stuff is not currently on my radar, mainly because it's not really accessible via the channels that I want to access news through, uh, which is a problem. Uh, so I'm aware of that issue and I'm trying to resolve it, but right now I don't have a good solution for it. Yeah, I was about to say that maybe for me, since I, I live in one of the biggest cities, and in the biggest city in Quebec, uh, that is simpler because here the local news sometimes becomes the national news by itself, right? Yeah, definitely. It, it almost always does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's that. And the other thing that I want to mention is uh, shortly after Trump became president, I enabled the New York Times breaking news notifications, which I know would go against what I was talking about, uh, about like <laughs> reducing the amount of news you, you consume. However, uh, note that I said breaking news. Uh, there are multiple levels of notifications for the New York Times. Like you can enable like individual categories of the newspaper. Uh, and I just enabled breaking news because I was like, if Trump posts a stupid tweet and we are going to die in 15 minutes i need to know not much i can do about it probably if we're going to die in 15 minutes but i at least want to be aware that i have 15 minutes left to live so i can go do some ridiculous shit before i die and the thing is like it it was relatively useful except i feel like the thing that really bothered me is whenever a celebrity dies it goes into breaking news and I don't know any of these celebrities. So suddenly my wrist was buzzing like every 15 minutes to say like, oh, this celebrity you don't know died. Uh, this other celebrity's comments on this celebrity's death is blah, blah, blah. And like it would continue like this for the rest of the day. And I just got fed up after a while because all the celebrities were dying that I was just like, fuck this shit. I'll just die whenever the nuke is coming and I'll, it'll, I'll be okay. Uh, and I turned off the notifications and I don't really miss them much. Uh, like the really big breaking stories, I will generally still see through Twitter because everyone else on my timeline is panicking about Trump. So like you don't explicitly need to seek out news to actually be aware of what Trump is doing. And I feel like I've been able to 
tune some of that stuff out uh, in my news consumption workflow and just figure out about it organically. You're making a good point about uh, the, the the news in the um, and the news and that you don't care because uh, sometimes this does happen because uh, one of the things, one of the places where I consume news is through the TV, like uh, the like the morning newscast is my kind of background noise in the morning while I eat and while I prepare myself for work. And in days where somebody famous dies in Quebec, oh, the, the, like the state news channels newscasts become unbearable because <laughs> they talk about that for the full hour, right? Because they assume that you just time in. So of course they need to repeat the exact like 15 minutes for 15 minutes more. And then they do that every five, 15 minute cycle. So yeah, that's why I start to then go to, um, more to Twitter to just see like the normal, uh, like feed of news because that at least was not, was still influence and you would still have to see that, but that could be like mixed up with the day news because before adding those two, uh, channel, those, those, those Twitter accounts, uh, following those Twitter accounts, I was mainly focusing it on TV and, that was the main way that was getting quote unquote local news. And I, I don't want to like project my vision of how you use Twitter onto you, but I feel like the way we use Twitter in general is very different. I feel like you use it more like an RSS reader, whereas I use it as sort of a collective water cooler with all of my friends, uh, where there's much more social behavior happening. Whereas I think you post rather regularly and reply to people rather regularly or at least i don't see them because we don't have very many overlapping friends in those cases but i think like that's probably why it makes a big difference to me to actually shut off news completely from twitter whereas you use twitter for a different thing and therefore it makes sense that you would want to ramp up the news in twitter fair point okay now that we've talked about information diet we can go into food diet how cool is that it's almost like it was planned speaking of plans <laughs> Uh, one of the things I started doing is meal plans. Uh, so I'm not a picky eater, uh, which is good because half of my family is. Uh, I am just incredibly indecisive. Uh, making up my mind about what I want to eat can take an incredibly long amount of time to the point where I just take too long and skip the meal entirely, uh, which is not good. And this led me to want to start planning out meals. Uh, so what I do is I plan meals about half a week to a week in advance, uh, I have a number spreadsheet where I lay all of this out. Uh, it looks like a week calendar, basically, and I have AM, PM. Uh, and basically, I lay out what am I making for when, how many leftovers will a recipe produce so that I have stuff to pack a lunch, uh, what ingredients am I missing that I can add to my grocery list uh, for when I'm at the grocery store. Every meal is color-coded. Uh, there are green meals, which are leftovers or going out for lunch. Uh, there are yellow meals, which require a reasonable preparation time. I say this as like less than 30 minutes preparation time. Uh, orange is requires advanced preparation. So if I need to take something out of the freezer before I leave work or stuff like that, I put it as orange. And I just have that in iCloud on my iPad and on my Mac. And I look at it every morning and see if I have any advanced prep to do or stuff to pick up from the store. And it works relatively well. Uh, when I'm planning out my meal plans, I have a pool of five to six recipes that I sort of rotate through. 
Uh, and I know these recipes quite well, and I know how many leftovers they produce, so I can plan stuff to have enough food to pack lunches and all of that stuff. And as I perfect those recipes, I slowly introduce new ones into the pool gradually. So it's working out pretty great. Um, and I asked around a couple of my friends to see what they were doing with regards to meal plans, if they did any. Uh, our friend Shannon, which I went to Japan with, had some good input for that. Uh, so I just basically rolled my own system listening to other people's stuff and maybe you can do the same uh, in your home another tip on my food diet thing this one is a bit more personal though is to have the minimum amount of food you need in your home uh i previously mentioned on the show that i am unfortunately a stress eater and that means that during the darker days of my self-employment when i was making very little money from iconoclasm uh, i gained quite a bit of weight from eating out of stress. Uh, and at the time I was in a household of four, uh, this was not good for the habit because there was always food in the house to eat. Uh, so I kept eating food. Uh, and nowadays I try to not allow snacks into the apartment as I would likely devour them right away. And in fact, every time my grandma gives me a bunch of snacks very quickly, they disappear. Uh, but I like them anyway. So please keep bringing them to me, grandma. Uh, <laughs> I try to limit also how much leftovers I have in stock in the freezer at a time because I don't want to be able to eat a meal as a snack and get away with it. Uh, and generally, I don't think I would do that because I think there's like a segmenting difference in my mind between snack food and meals, whereas I'm not going to eat a meal as a snack generally, although it has happened in the past. Uh, but having a limited supply means that if I do that, I'm probably going to lower my leftover supply to a certain degree. That means that I'll have to deviate from my meal plan and cook extra food, which feels like a punishment because I didn't respect the plan. So basically, I, I play mind games to not eat the food that I'm not supposed to eat. Uh, of course, uh, the exception to that, the food that I also have in the house is a fallback for when you're too tired or exhausted or mentally broken to stick to the plan. Uh, I tend to have like pea soup, clam chowder, ramen, like in stock so that if for some reason I don't want to cook, I can just bail out and go towards those options. Uh, and in general, I have found that, uh, the Eat Cheap and Healthy subreddit has been an incredibly good resource for managing all of this. Lots of great recipes with not very many uh, ingredients or inexpensive ingredients and good ways of using up bulk ingredients. Uh, really great resource. And also, like I mentioned this on Twitter this week, so I should probably mention it on the show. Uh, Italian food is fantastic because it is all about having few ingredients and just making them in a really good way. Uh, and I have had a lot of Italian dishes in my rotating pool of recipes because they are simple to prepare and very good if when you nail them. And nowadays I am nailing them more than I used to, which is great. So yeah, that's it for my food diet stuff. Do you have any comments? I'm quite disappointed that you were not talking about poutine, but uh, sure. All right. So yeah, I should mention that. So every week uh, on Fridays, uh, when it's not the summer schedule, my boss takes us out for lunch. And that means that basically once a week, I eat something unreasonably fat. And a lot of the times it's poutine, because we go to a lot of places that have poutine. So like that is the one unhealthy thing I eat a week. And I think it's pretty much fine. I mean, I'm I'm still losing weight not gaining it so i must be doing something correctly question mark 
Yeah, I guess. I guess maybe the, the snacks are helping if you're losing weight. Well, not just that. Let's talk about fitness. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> plot twist. <laughs> yeah, you're good at transition the, the, for this episode. Yeah, I've been planning this episode for like three weeks. Uh, <laughs> so I finish a lot of work days at around 11 to 18 minutes on the 30-minute exercise ring on the Apple Watch, uh, mostly because I walk very fast and... When you walk very fast, your Apple Watch counts it as exercise, which is great. Uh, previously, I would go on roughly half-hour walks around the neighborhood quite regularly a couple times a week. Um, uh, nowadays, that sort of has been substituted by walking to the grocery store because walking to and from the nearest grocery store is roughly 30 minutes. Uh, and I, so far, it hasn't it hasn't not filled up my ring, which means it's pretty much constantly 30 minutes at least. Uh but I have added something new to my exercising routine. Do you have a guess? So right now, as since I know you, your routine was mainly based on the walking. Yes. And so, and I don't think, I would be completely surprised if you start to run. But I'm unsure about that. Though I would also be surprised that you got the gym membership or something like that. The funny thing is, when I signed uh the agreement for this apartment they gave me a gym membership Ooh! but i don't know where it is and it expired <laughs> in september so it could have been that but it was not that then maybe let's say like knowing you you wouldn't go to the gym but maybe you would buy some uh maybe some weights for you to do that in your apartment that could be one impossible solution. So let's go with that. Okay. So before I reveal the answer, I, I just want to comment on this because you said I probably wouldn't go to the gym. I actually would not have that much trouble with going to the gym itself. However, I, I've been ruined by going to Yokohama. So y Yokohama has, of course, the beautiful, uh, Minato Mirai area, which is featuring the beautiful bay. Um, and there is a gym in, Colette Mar, which is a shopping mall, which faces Cosmo Clock 21, which is the giant Ferris wheel with all of the lights and everything. So you have like this giant bay with a beautiful, uh, skyline of the skyscrapers around it and this Ferris wheel. It's like the nicest gym in the world because I know that gym exists. Like I want to go to that gym and nothing else, <laughs> oh. which has ruined me for going to the gym. Uh, like I could probably go to the caps at, uh, the local university. Ooh, yeah. I heard it's good gym. Yeah, I mean, like, I've been there a couple times, mostly to the pool, though, uh, and it was pretty great. But yeah, in, in general, I don't like doing exercise in front of other people. So that's why you shouldn't be too shocked that I've turned to yoga. Oh, seriously, I, after I, I said that you could have bought weights for your own barn, I kind of had the idea that maybe it was yoga. So now that you mention it, it makes sense. So I, I don't know if how you've been keeping up with your podcast because... Uh, let's not talk about that too much. Okay, but if you had listened to episode 140 of Analog, uh, Mike also... I did listen to that. Right. Mike started doing yoga a well, couple months ago, and he gave his comments on uh, yoga on the podcast, and that is what got me thinking about it. Uh, because we share a lot of common concerns, uh, namely that doing exercise in public is embarrassing if you're bad at it, which I am. Uh, and one of the great things about yoga is it can be done from the comfort of your own home. And that means it has a very low barrier to entry. So you don't have to worry about stuff like motivating yourself to go outside when it's cold out or stuff like that. Uh, there is definitely no shortage of classes out there, whether it be for free on YouTube or via some sort of uh, in-app purchase in an app or something. And the great thing is it's really easy to try it 
from home because equipment is nice to have, but not necessarily required uh, for every kind of yoga that there is. So I decided to give it a shot. Yeah, it mostly require empty space and a screen to watch the video you want to watch. And like that is basically a, de a definition of my living room right now. Uh, so I just like pushed the little Ikea table I have against the wall and I have a bunch of space. Uh, so, so it's great for that. Um, generally, it's recommended that you should take an actual yoga class with a teacher when starting because uh, one of the the worries that people have is that you want to ensure that you're doing the poses correctly before doing them incorrectly becomes a habit that you have to work out of. Uh, and like, I was reading the yoga subreddit, uh, for a bunch of tips and stuff. And that was like the main point they were making. Uh, I ignored all that shit and I do it all by myself because I I'm a terrible person. Uh, so I started doing it around the time of watchOS 5's release because watchOS 5 gained the ability to record yoga workouts. What's actually strange is on the old Apple Watch, uh, on watchOS 4, you could do an other workout tagged as yoga and it has the same yoga animation as the actual yoga workout does now so i'm not sure what the difference is uh i think probably the tracking is a little more tuned for yoga than it used to be but anyway uh nice to have it in the os now and what's really weird is that since i've started doing yoga uh, you may recall that i have some repetitive strain in injury and it is not uncommon for me to come home from work with dead wrists uh, which of course also contributed to my declining quality of life during the summer when i was working myself to death and since starting yoga i haven't had no wrist pain at all which is insane so it makes it worth it like literally just for that uh, i had also had muscle pain when waking up in the morning uh, out of bed and all of that is completely gone as well since starting yoga so just like in terms of feeling good in your body it was worth it because like the two main sources of pain that I had throughout my everyday life are gone. And I'm not saying that this is going to be the result for everyone who tries yoga, but it's very motivating that there were immediate results that I could notice in my everyday life. I would like to highly recommend the Yoga with Adrian YouTube channel. Uh, she's a really quirky and young and funny yoga teacher with a bunch of free videos like she's been doing this on youtube for like six or seven years and she posts videos like every two days or something like that so there are a ton of videos on her channel uh, for every skill level and every session length imaginable there are playlists in her channel uh, for five to ten minutes ten to fifteen minutes fifteen to twenty minutes and basically every five minute increment up to 45 minutes there is a thing, and I think there are some one-hour to one-hour-plus playlists as well if you want to do that. Uh, occasionally, she does themed months where every day in the month there is a video, and they all follow a given theme. So there is a ton of stuff there. If you just want to try out yoga, just go with her channel, go to the beginner playlist, choose something, and you might really enjoy it. People may be concerned that because I don't have a television, I can't watch the yoga video kind of but uh <laughs> i just put a yoga video on the ps4 and do it in front of my gaming setup and yeah sure the viewing angles aren't great from the ground but generally the instructions are vocal so i can deal with it but yeah i've been doing yoga and it's been working great and it, whenever i don't have a full 30 minute exercise ring from walking to the grocery store or something like that i'll just fill the rest with a yoga session of that length from her channel and fill up 
so I've been having crazy streaks uh, on my Apple Watch uh, activity app uh, where I do exercise every single day. Uh, and it feels good to do things that's different than just walking all the time. Uh, because previously I would only do walks. And now at least there's a little bit more variety in my stuff going on. And I feel better as a result, which is basically the goal, right? So that's how things have been going on the fitness front. I guess we're a little bit low on time, so I have a secret fourth topic. Um, but before that, did you have any uh, comments or questions on fitness side of things? Um, not really. I'm quite excited that you started yoga because I, it feels to me that a lot of people also I know from uh, work are uh, cheering about the uh, benefits of it. Um, so maybe it's something I will try. I don't know, to be honest, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I do have a couple of questions maybe about the, so do you have a kind of schedule of doing it? Like if I compare it to maybe more like muscle training or just like running, do you do it like every two days or it's really depending on your mood or the, uh, the kind of the, the quantity of walking that you did in a specific day? So generally I try to fill up the exercise ring, whatever's left of the exercise ring with yoga. So generally that comes out to like 15 to 20 minutes of yoga a day, unless I go to the grocery store that day in which I have like probably 40 minutes of walking that day. So I'm just not going to do yoga that day. I, usually I leave it until like 9, 10, 11 PM. So I have a good idea of how much time is on my ring already that I can just fill up the rest. Uh, so that's how I've been doing it for now. Uh, sometimes I feel like doing more yoga than, uh, the time that's left on my, uh, on my ring, or there's a specific video that I really want to try out and it's longer than the time I have in bank for it. And I'll try to do it. And worst case, if it's too hard, because one time I accidentally put on like an advanced level video that was not tagged properly. Uh, that was fun. Uh, it did not last the full length of the video. I can guarantee that. Uh, but I did actually see that yoga is a lot more of a workout than a lot of people think it is, uh, when you're actually doing advanced level stuff. Uh, and even when you're not doing advanced level stuff, like it is surprising the amount of calories you burn doing yoga compared to what people's image of what yoga is, uh, would have you think. Um, so that's more or less how I've been doing it. Uh, I still don't have a yoga mat. Technically mine is supposed to arrive tomorrow because I ordered one earlier this week. Uh, so I'm going to be having that, um, don't have any like yoga clothes or whatever, uh, because I am weird and I am worried about ordering clothes online because I'm afraid it won't fit, which is another issue. Uh, but yeah, uh, so that's more or less my routine for now and hmm. it's been working out pretty well. Good. Are we ready for the secret fourth topic? Was it really a secret fourth topic or you are planning it along, all along? Well, it's something I had removed from my notes because I thought this would fill the time. And now I am mashing the control Z, uh, command Z button to <laughs> get my notes back. Oh, okay. So it's something, uh, it, it's the, a uh... recent cut from the episode, but whatever. <laughs> uh, so I named the section ambiance. Hmm. And ambiance is just going to be like, you want to be in a relaxation state of mind more than like, I mean, I'm a, like, it's no secret. I've talked about DJ stuff on the thing. I have a bunch of songs in my iTunes library that are 220 or more BPM. Like, I like hardcore music. I will not, never stop loving hardcore music. 
but sometimes hardcore music is not the most appropriate music for the thing you are doing. And when you are trying to relax, sometimes you don't need to be listening to new style GABA or speedcore. Uh, so, uh, like I mentioned on the Alexa review, I pretty much always have jazz going in the house. Uh, and this is half a mental thing and half just because I like jazz. I like big cities and Trois-Rivières is not really a big city. Uh, but I feel like of all the music genres that are out there, jazz makes you feel like you are living in a big city when you are listening to it. And uh, like one of the examples that I gave on a previous episode is uh, I really like Bashimichi in Yokohama because the jazz clubs are there. And when you're walking down the street, it feels fantastic because you can hear the saxophone leaking out of the doors of the jazz clubs and stuff like that. And there's just something in jazz. Like you think of Harlem in New York and all of the big jazz spots, like they're big cities with this rich culture. And it just makes you feel like you are in a fancier place than you actually are. Um, and like I could be living in a bigger city, but I'm not. But to get the feeling that I'm in a bigger city, I fool myself by listening to jazz. So th that is like one of my things. And I find jazz very relaxing in general. And uh, luckily for me, question mark, uh, one of my neighbors is a drummer and occasionally also leaves his own jazz on and drums to it, uh, which is strange sometimes. But like occasionally on the weekend, I get to have a live drum show across the hallway from my neighbor who's playing to jazz. So what a coincidence, I guess. And the other thing I want to mention in passing, which I had tried to do a full episode about, but it, it was too weird of a topic to do a full episode on, is ASMR videos. Uh, so if you're not familiar with ASMR videos, ASMR, uh, it stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, which is a totally made up scientific word that doesn't actually mean anything uh, that was made up by people on the internet who put together fancy words. Uh, but ASMR just basically means like a certain kind of sibilant sound that gives you tingles in your spine when you hear them. Uh, this is not something that everyone necessarily feels, but it is something that enough of people felt to come up with a weird name for it, which is ASMR. And now there are literally like hundreds of thousands of ASM artists on YouTube who make videos where they whisper into the microphone. And it is amazing for relaxing, especially if you actually can experience those spine tingles, uh, which I happen to be able to, uh, which means you just like turn off all the lights, put on your headphones, go watch some binaural ASMR videos on YouTube, and you will be the most relaxed you have ever been. Uh, so like that's the other thing. Sometimes just before going to bed, uh, I will turn off all the lights turn off all the music and everything, just put on my headphones, close my eyes and listen to ASMR videos on YouTube uh, and feel very relaxed as like a preparation to go to sleep. Uh, now, one of the weird side effects for this is I also feel like my senses become significantly heightened because of uh, the tingly sensations from the ASMR videos. And then like every little tiny speck of light in the apartment becomes like really, really vibrant to me. And now, then it bothers me, uh, which is kind of a like weird issue. Uh, but otherwise, like it is incredibly relaxing to you uh, to listen to ASMR videos. And I will put some videos to some, uh, some links to some of my favorite ASMR videos, uh, in the show notes, uh, so that you can go have a good night's sleep as well. 
I also have a suggestion for ASMR. Um, I think for the last year, I've been uh, following the uh, 20,000 Hertz podcast. And last spring, they had their episode 40 about what is ASMR and some good example of it. So we will also put a link into the show notes about this episode of 20,000 Hertz. Wow, I, I didn't even know they had an episode about it. I, like, I love that podcast, but I don't subscribe to it regularly. And I probably should, to be honest. Uh, uh, I, yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is my... To me right now, this is kind of my weird podcast, which I love so much. It is a good suggestion. If you just want, it is a podcast about the love of the, uh, I think the love of audio, I would say, or the love of the auditive, uh, sound design in yeah. general. Yeah, it's just sound in general. It is a quite amazing podcast and they have an amazing episode about ASMR. I also really like the episode. Well, I like a bunch of episodes they did, but one of my favorite episodes was the one about the NPC chime. Uh, mm, just like yeah, where yeah. the hell did those three notes come from? And yeah, it was a really good thing. But in general, yeah, you should probably listen to 20,000 Hertz. And I just went and subscribed to it in Overcast because I'm a stupid person who never did before. <laughs> so that pretty much does it for my topic. We extended it a little bit with my secret fourth topic. Um, so take us out. Good. So if you want to see all of the show notes, uh, all of the yoga videos or ASMR videos, you can find uh, this episode show note on our website at, at, uh, at limitlesspossibility.net slash 99. Hey, we're about to go to a hundred episode. Yay. But if you want to look at this huge back catalog of episodes you can also find our other episode at limitlesspossibly.net if you want to get news about the podcast you can find uh, the podcast itself on twitter at, at limipo underscore podcast that's l-i-m-i-p-o underscore podcast and i'm sure if you've been with us for the last 99 episodes you already know about this but you can find myself and yannick on twitter you can find myself at lukonush that's l-u-c-c-o-n-o-u-c-h-e and you can find yannick at Sakurina, S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And we'll see you in two weeks for our 100th episode of Limitless Possibility. See you in two weeks.